0: Good morning, and welcome to episode 958 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, brought to you by the Play Index, BaseballReference.com, and our supporters on Patreon. I'm Sam Miller, along with Ben Lindbergh of The Ringer. Hello, Ben. Hello. So, you wrote about the way that you found out about Jose Fernandez, and I had a very similar experience, and looking at your mentions, it looks like a lot of us had that experience, where on Sunday morning... We got a message, the message was vague, and you had to process what it could be. The message I got was, geez, Jose Fernandez, I was in church, I couldn't look anything up, and I thought to myself as I sat there that either he had nine strikeouts through three innings, right, or he needed a second Tommy John, or the unthinkable. And as I sat there, I just was in dread and uh, it was a terrible day for everybody because either you found out about it uh, in one second, or uh, you had it—you uh, had this feeling of uncertainty while you waited to find out the news—and it turned out to be the worst thing that uh, really could happen in baseball. And so we're going to talk about Jose Fernandez, but I mean, really, there's just been so much amazing writing about him, about his career, about his personality, um, about the way he played, the way he lived and the way we all felt uh, watching him do those two things. And there's not much left for us to say about what an amazing gift he was to baseball. And so I don't think we'll focus on that. I think that um, there's so much good writing that I would just encourage everybody to really avail yourself uh, of it and um, to think about what he means to you. But there's one specific thing that I would like to talk about, uh, okay. if, if I may. And it's this. You have to be an active major leaguer. ...for 10 years to be on the Hall of Fame ballot, which means you have to play for 10 years before anybody is allowed to vote on whether you are a Hall of Famer or not. Uh, and and I think that Jose Fernandez deserves to be on the ballot, and I'm going to make that case. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that I think Jose Fernandez deserves to have a vote, but it's my belief that Hall of Famers are defined by 75% of people voting for them. That is the only definition by which a player becomes a hall of famer. Uh and you cannot be uh you cannot uh, have a chance to uh clear that hurdle unless you are on the ballot. The rules say that Jose Fernandez cannot be on that ballot. I think that Jose Fernandez deserves to be on that ballot. So, first of all, uh is that absurd?
1: I don't think so. You're definitely not the first to have brought it up mm-hmm. and you know, sadly we were talking about this hypothetical not very long ago, right? We were talking about it in relation to Trout and Kershaw and what would happen if their careers suddenly ended and we thought that they should both be in. And Fernandez is just the, the tiniest step down from those guys in terms of greatness. Obviously, he didn't have a chance to do it quite as long as, as either, especially Kershaw. So, you know, the, the only argument for Not putting him on there is just kind of a a strictly rules-based you have to have 10 years he didn't have 10 years he didn't even have half of 10 years obviously you know for circumstances that had nothing to do with his playing and his playing was hall of fame caliber absolutely he was the second best pitcher in baseball from the day he started pitching in the major leagues basically so just on a on a performance basis he was perfectly deserving if he had kept up what he had done for 10 years then no one would bat an eye so it just comes down to whether you want to waive the rules for someone and there there have been instances like you know what when, when Luke Gary got in there was no waiting period that right. or Clemente maybe that that kind of thing yeah so often when there's some sort of tragedy you say well you you don't want to make an emotional decision and then you regret it later or something, but you know, whatever it's the baseball hall of fame. Like what's the, the worst case scenario is you look back in 50 years and Jose Fernandez is in the hall of fame. That's, it's not the worst thing. So it's not like, you know, this is one of those ultra serious cases where you have to wait before acting or, or whatever, but you're not saying, you know, do it tomorrow. You're just saying the the normal process, but waving the usual eligibility requirements. So your your question was is it crazy? No, it's not crazy.
0: Yeah, and so the the eligibility requirements, I guess I uh I have come here somewhat unprepared because I have not looked into what the history of the eligibility requirements are uh, or why they exist. Uh, from a very uh, one simple explanation, probably the explanation is simply that they decided that you needed some way to filter out undeserving players. So that you could have a manageable ballot and really help the voters focus on those players who, um, who, you know, who met a minimum bar of credibility. It is possible though that when this eligibility requirement was created that it had something to do with the context of the time that maybe it was some, I don't know, some nod to the fact that there were a lot of, uh, really independent but high level minor leagues and maybe players careers were, uh, maybe there was a feeling that like, you know, you didn't want to, reward players who were playing in um you know the pacific coast league for those years and i i mean i'm just spitballing i have no idea but maybe there was something about that time period where it made sense but really the basic i I mean if if there is a philosophical reason for preventing people who have not spent 10 years in the majors i would think that it would come down to the idea that well they they could have spent 10 years in the majors it's you shouldn't uh you know if they quit early that's on them uh if they if they were injured if something happened to them that uh made it so that they were no longer able to perform at a high level uh well that is uh, we treat health as uh skill and as a means of production with Jose Fernandez it's just totally different this is the only uh this was the only possible unfortunately it was the only way that his career could go he came up he performed at as high a level as a major leaguer could really ever be expected to and then because of you know the cruelty of uh, of the world and of our frail bodies uh, that was that was taken from him uh, and there was there's really no way that you could say well uh, in any way Jose Fernandez failed to live up to the maximum expectations that god or fate or physics put him on this earth for and there is no there is no unfulfilled potential that he was in control of. Uh, and yeah. so um, it just feels like philosophically any any reason that you would have for a 10 year minimum to simply be allowed to be voted on uh, is irrelevant for him and, and unjust.
1: Yeah, it's not the Hall of Fame rule is not like a a test of your survival skills or something. I mean, in a in a sports sense, in an athletic sense, it is. But you're not being rewarded for your ability to live long enough to make it. You're being rewarded for your ability to play baseball at a really high level for a long time. And he is not able to do that for non-baseball reasons. And I think he is. Unique in the history of baseball players who have been killed in the middle of their career. I I think there are many equally sad and distressing cases, but I think he is different from the Nick Adenhart and Oscar Tavares kind of tragedy in that those guys were very promising, but they were just embarking on big league careers. They were just starting to establish themselves, which in a sense made it all the more sad but you wouldn't look at them and say hall of famer because they hadn't showed that ability yet even though they perhaps had it in them and then there is the group of guys who were killed you know later on in their careers toward the tail end of their careers clemente or or gehrig or even thurman munson who was in his 30s i was on hang up and listen today and we were talking about this and Mike Pesca and I were saying that you know he's he's probably the I guess the you know if you were looking at the history of baseball players who had been killed just you know in terms of the expectations for the rest of their career his were probably higher than any previous players I, I know that uh, a lot of people cited you know Ken Hubbs who was killed uh, another very young pitcher who was killed the year after a rookie of the year award win but you know looking back at uh ken hubbs's stats at the time not to not to desecrate the memory of ken hubbs but you know he had a 70 ops plus so um i don't know that he would have attained the levels that fernandez has already attained so that was the key he was yeah. already pitching at an elite hall of fame level and was still so young that there was just no real ceiling to what he could conceivably accomplish.
0: I think that's, yeah, that's exactly right. And that really the the reason that I started thinking about this question and whether it made sense is really that, so I was thinking that there are, uh, when something this awful happens, there are three big things that our brains tend to focus on, three really like deep sadnesses that we tend to focus on. one. One is that it is just a reminder of how fragile life is and how unexpectedly tragedy happens and how even the seemingly most uh, healthy and strong among us it can, can, be, can disappear so quickly. And that is a very hard thing for any of us to, um, to keep in mind every day. And when it is reminded to us, it's, it's awful and we struggle with that. That is true in this case. The second thing is that it is obviously an incredible loss for Mm -hmm. an actual person and his family. Uh, It is a tragedy for everybody who knows Fernandez in the way that it would be uh, Mm -hmm. if, um, you know, your best friend at work were to die today. And that is true of Jose Fernandez. And the third way is that we tend to uh, really regret the loss of that person's production. So it's easy to say, well, Jose Fernandez, he could have, you know, he might have won 300 games. He might have been one of the great pitchers of all time. And I think it's really important that with Fernandez, we don't think of it that way because Fernandez was one of the greatest pitchers of all time. There there was no unfulfilled potential. We got to see one of the greatest pitchers of all time. I mean, arguably by stuff, by Mm -hmm. aesthetics, by dominance, maybe one of the five greatest of all time. And it happened. It, it happened and we got to watch it. It's real. It's in the books. And I think that we should be... I mean, we are. I think everybody is generally grateful that we got to see that. But instead of uh, being uh, especially sad that there are games that Jose Fernandez will not start and there is a career that Jose Fernandez will not have, it, rather we should recognize and be grateful for the games that he did start, the incredibly high level that they were at, and the incredible career that he did have, even if it was short. And Jose Fernandez, like you say, he didn't just perform at a good level. He wasn't a prospect. You know, he wasn't only a prospect. He wasn't only a good pitcher. He wasn't only coming into his own. He was maybe the greatest 20 year old pitcher who ever pitched. If he's not the greatest, he's in the top five. He's fifth all time. In war at age 20, and of course the innings, the way that pitchers are used these days, would not be a benefit to him for war. If you look at ERA+, plus, he's the second best 20-year-old season of all time. I mean, it's basically Dwight Gooden and then arguably Jose Fernandez. You can make a case for a couple of other guys. Uh, If you look at his career through age 23, he's 20th all time in war with a Tommy John surgery in there. like He missed an entire year. And he is still the 20th greatest pitcher ever through age 23. And again, that's the sort of thing where even if he'd been healthy, he would have been at a disadvantage because of the way that young pitchers don't get to collect as many innings. But he has the greatest ERA plus ever through age 23. It's not even close. His ERA mm-hmm. plus is 150. The next best is 139. 139. Unless I guess if you go down to Herb Score, then Herb Score has has a better. I mean, there are there are people with a lot with a lot fewer innings than him mm-hmm. who get there, but he's you know he's there, he's up there. And if you look at him before and after his Tommy John, you could basically say he had two full seasons of major league starters workload. It, like if you combine thirteen and fourteen, combine fifteen and sixteen, and he basically had two Cy Young seasons. He Leads all of all of the National League in pitcher warp this year. He was a very credible Cy Young candidate this year. He would have uh, I, I on Friday was asked who I would vote for, and I said Kershaw or Fernandez. And uh, so there's just I guess that's just a way of saying that he was he was fully fully developed, uh, mm-hmm. and you don't have to project to get him to Hall of Fame
1: level. He he is already there. Yeah, I cited the stat in my article that just in war per inning pitched, he is third all time behind Pedro Martinez and Clayton Kershaw. And of course, he had been able to complete his career and gone through the usual aging process that most pitchers do and lost speed off his fastball and all that sort of thing. Then maybe he wouldn't have ended up that high on the leaderboard. But He did. So, you know, for the time he was on the mound, he was as good as all but, you know, like maybe two other people in the entirety of their careers. So, yeah, I completely agree. And... I don't know. I mean, I don't think it. Uh, the The danger of putting him in the Hall of Fame, you know, like what would be the danger? Like, you know, some. I mean, first of all, danger. Who cares? It's a baseball right. museum. But yeah. you know, especially
0: even... because I mean, especially because if there's one thing that Jose Fernandez' death has reminded all of us in the last 24 hours, it is that none of this matters. Yeah. Uh, in, in relative to the actual matters of of living life, uh-huh. and so if the sport itself doesn't matter, then certainly the museum that rewards some of those players for being extra cool matters even less.
1: Yeah, right. Of course, you know, people do really care about the Hall of Fame. It means a lot to people because baseball means a lot to people. And so in that sense, sports matter. And so you don't want to cheapen the Hall of Fame or the honor of getting in, but I don't think that this would, you know, it's not like, other people would suddenly start slipping in because Jose Fernandez was in lowering the standards or something. You know, it's not like there would be many analogous cases to this. This is unique. So the value to it, I think, is that, I mean, ultimately, it it doesn't, you know, help Jose Fernandez if he's in the Hall of Fame or not. Unfortunately, he's beyond help in that sense. But in the sense that people want to preserve his memory and and remind people how great he was. And that is, I guess the danger of this, even if we didn't really, even if he didn't, you know, leave anything undone in that he was great from day one, he would be forgotten more quickly because he didn't do it over such a long period. And, and, People come along and they sort the the war leaderboard and Jose Fernandez will not be anywhere near the top. And so a future generation might not mention him as among the best pitchers ever, even though during his time in the game he was. So that would be the advantage, I guess, of putting him in. Aside from, I don't know, any consolation it might give his loved ones, it would help keep his memory alive in a way that it probably deserves to be preserved. So... If people put Jose Fernandez in the Hall of Fame, I would really have no objection to that.
0: Yeah, you you compared him, or I guess in one sentence, you compared him to Buddy Holly and James Dean. Yeah. But uh, in a in a way, baseball is, I feel like is so different than in creative arts, where in a way in the creative arts, dying young is uh this is gonna sound macabre but great for your legacy
1: right uh yeah. like
0: dan dan burn has this song called too old to die young mm-hmm. and it's all about how you know he's too old to die young right and, sure
1: all the 27 uh, year old rock stars who yeah, died exactly. and they have their own you know it's like a, a club that uh, yeah. i don't know if anyone wants to belong to but if you are in that group you you always get mentioned because, you know, you're young forever and no one ever got to see you grow old and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. But, and I just don't think that there's anything comparable at all in baseball to that. I don't, I, I yeah. think you're right that Jose I don't know Fernandez. Why.
1: It should be, right? Like if we don't get to see a player decline, you'd, you know, we remember him being the best he ever was. You'd think the same principle would apply. I don't know what the difference is. Why, why doesn't, why isn't that the case? Maybe there just aren't as many examples of it happening, but. Yeah, I don't know. The tyranny of the career milestones and Yeah, that's yeah, maybe so.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It is a good question. Yeah, I'm not sure. You also just don't have as many ch- I mean, you don't have as many chances to be seen. Uh-huh. Um there Jose Fernandez will, you know, never pitch in the World Series in front of, you know, 22 million people. So, I don't know, maybe he maybe to maybe baseball is just too niche. For that right now, I mean it. There, there is a, a way that, like, I mean, I know Rocky Calavito probably a lot more because of his tragic
1: decline. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know if it Well, maybe it's just because at least in the past it was harder to preserve a player's output in a way that could be appreciated by future generations. Like a a movie star is in movies and anyone can watch the movie and see mm-hmm. the movie star. Yeah. And anyone can listen to the albums that the musician made and it sounds the same as it did when he was making them or she was making them. Whereas with a baseball player, for most of baseball history, I mean, you brought up Herb's score earlier in this episode, so You know, we don't really get to see her score. We can look at his baseball reference stats and say they were great. And we can maybe look at some black and white grainy footage from a weird angle and, you know, see him throwing a ball or something. But it's hard to appreciate him in the same way that someone who was there at the time and saw him pitch did. And I guess the positive takeaway would be that that's no longer the case, that everything Jose Fernandez did on a baseball field is... Preserved forever in high definition and in a million gifts that can be shared forever and ever. And so in that sense, you know, people will always be able to see what he did and the highlights of his career will look the same as everyone else's highlights. And, you know, that's, I guess, a good thing in that. It might be harder for him to be forgotten just because you can watch him. And with Fernandez just, you know, watching a single start of his or just an inning of his, you could really appreciate why he was so great, which was Mm -hmm. another thing that I would brought up on Hang Up and Listen. Like we've talked in the past about how Clayton Kershaw is kind of deceptively not elite looking or, you know, you could watch a single yeah. Clint yeah. Kershaw start and not think this guy is one of the best pitchers ever. You know, and you Arietta to... last
0: year. We yeah, yeah totally the same with right. Arietta last year. You have to year.
1: appreciate him over a longer period. Whereas mm-hmm. Fernandez, you could watch one start and, you know, see all his pitches and the way that they moved and, how fast they were and how he could mix them and everything. And you could say, Oh yeah, obviously this guy is one of the best pitchers in baseball. So if, if Jose Fernandez
0: had come onto the mound, uh, to pitch and you didn't know his name, you didn't know his jersey, you know, you didn't know anything about him. You didn't know who he was and you didn't have a radar gun. How many pitches
1: before you would confidently say he was an above average major leaguer? Well, I mean, one probably, <laughs> if he, quite possibly, if he threw a 99 mile prior hour fastball or something as a starter, then that would be a pretty good clue. If he, you know, broke off one great curve or slider or whatever, that that would be a pretty good indication. So, yeah, uh,
0: yeah, I think within four for sure. Even you and I yeah. would would be able to say, yeah, that, that he's great. Yeah. yeah, right. All right. Well, I think we should let that let that all speak for itself and let it stand
1: all right so we will leave it there you can support the podcast on patreon by going to patreon.com slash effectively wild five listeners who have already done so randy Sabia, jacob mooney alex Nazer, nicholas shaw and john presser thank you you can buy our book the only rule is it has to work our wild experiment building a new kind of baseball team go to the website at theonlyrulesithastowork.com for more information. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash effectivelywild and you can rate and review and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Get the discounted price of $30 on a one year subscription to the Play Index at baseballreference.com. Use the coupon code VP when you subscribe. And you can email me and Sam at podcast at baseballperspectus.com or by messaging us through Patreon. We'll take your emails next time, so please send us some questions. We'll talk to you later in the week. No one lives forever.